You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. in you know it's time to begin and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you're staying home doing the right thing helping us get through this time we're going to try to help you get through this time by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free Thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace brings the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's... Slowly transitioning into Freddie Mercury, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. We didn't start the fire. That's not the. That, not even. <laughs> not even say that. That's Billy Joel. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Abbey Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Abbey Road. That one. Okay. There's a number of problems with that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. We have raised over two thousand dollars for St. Jude. If you missed this weekend stream, uh, Friday, uh, Monster Hunter crashed on me, and Saturday. You can find it. I played some Fortnite with Wombat. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I also ate some disgusting Jelly Bellies midstream. It's archived for your watching pleasure. I got real close to throwing up. It was worth it. Like the the Jelly Bellies that are designed to be disgusting or ones that just were around long enough that they became disgusting? Designed. I think it's called like Bean Boozled. And mm. uh, it's like, the, it look, is, it, is it Juicy Pear or is it Booger? Is it chocolate oh. pudding or dog food? And I got all gross ones except for one. And it, they're real gross. Real huh. gross. All right. Well, you know, truth for in the, advertising, for the I kids. guess. For the kids. Well, that's great, man. I'm glad you're raising so much money and it's a great cause and it's continuing. I think uh, you and I are going to do a stream on the 30th. I think that's what we're, we've penciled in uh, in real loose 30th. Uh, yep. Saturday 30th, uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, I think, with Tim. And this coming Saturday... I need to figure out a time, but uh, Mr. Carboni and I are going Whoa. to drift into the madness together. All right. Very cool. I'm sure there will be no discussion of me at all at any point. <laughs> the world doesn't revolve around you, Jeff. That's what I said. I'm sure there will be no discussion of me. <laughs> um, hey, we have lots of video games to talk about and some board games to talk about. I'm super excited. Oh, my gosh. Because we have an awesome guest to do both of those things. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, 
I'm so excited because DLC stands for Designing Ludological Concepts. Because we have board game designer, podcaster, and my friend, Mr. Jeff Engelstein, back on the show. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk tabletop stuff a little later. Um, we have some interesting video games to talk about. And we have some big, big news this week. Um, let's jump right in and start with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, you can also send us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com if you'd like to give us a story of the week or really anything, any comment or question. We love hearing from you over at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But Jeff, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, the thing that just totally blew me away this week was the uh, the demo of the new Unreal Engine playing on the PS5. Uh, they yeah. dropped this new trailer, uh, you know, all showing, you know, in-engine rendered stuff. And yeah, it was pretty jaw-dropping. Yes, uh, the next generation, I guess, has officially arrived when all of us are blown away and gobsmacked by what is possible and unreal engine five brought it i would agree with you this is the story this week oh my goodness the demo that was uh, shown is not for any game that's in development it was a tech demo but should be because that game looked awesome yeah tomb raider (laughs) plus magic yes i'll have that yes please um it's called uh, Lumen in the Land of Nanite, and it is named after the two new, uh, I guess, trademarked technologies <laughs> that are going to be featured prominently in Unreal Engine 5. One of them is called Lumen. The other is called Nanite. Uh, the long and short of it is what they're claiming and what they're showing is basically cinema quality assets, cinema quality CG rendered in real time. In fact, the whole process of this nanite function of Unreal Engine 5 is that you can bring in the actual super high polygon count models that that special effects houses and uh, visual effects houses use to uh, create visual effects in film. And you don't have to worry about, you know, so so much of the work of a uh, graphics artist in video games is figuring out how to make things look really great, but in budget. And by budget, I don't mean money. I mean the number of polygons that can be pushed in the engine before it breaks things. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of time is spent optimizing and whittling down polygons and trying to fake things with textures and try to do stuff to create less sophisticated geometry so that, uh, the, it can look it can still look great, but not be so taxing on the hardware. Evidently, Unreal Engine 5 is going to do all of that for you, and you just throw at it what they're saying is trillions of polygons at once, and it will make it look like it's actually that, even though it's somehow not that. Um, yeah, Jeff, it's... you're a real smart guy. What <laughs> what am I leaving out of that Jeff, description? Explain this. Explain this stuff. Well, just to give it a little <laughs> historical perspective. So, uh, fun fact, I actually... Um, uh, published a couple of video games back in the 80s on the Apple II computer. That's how I cut my teeth in uh, in game design. 
And uh, so it was all 6502 assembly language and, you know, just laborious pixel by pixel, uh, you know, mapping onto the screen and, you know, every byte counts. That was and, Unreal uh, Engine 0.04, right? <laughs> and to to see, you know, where, where this technology is at today, you know, which with the Unity Engine and the Unreal Engine and the fact that they're just free, they're just out there, you know, and um, it's just, it, it boggles my mind. And, and in a sense, I'm glad that, you know, I was, you know, in high school and doing this, uh, this coding video game coding stuff um, back in the eighties. Cause if it was now, I would not at this point be married or have children or anything. I just would have locked myself in a room with this stuff and, uh, and, and <laughs> just more try to push out new games. Need more triangles. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's fantastic because, you know, just like in the movies now it's, you know, it's reached, it reached to say we were all wowed with like Jurassic park. And, you know, when that first came out, people don't even see it anymore. Right now. It's just like, if the director wants to do it, there's, there's a way to do it. And yeah. it's going to be it's the imagination. That's you know, the limiter like, now. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I teach game design at, at the uh, NYU game center and, you know, kids have fantastic ideas and incredibly creative stuff. And now, you know, you can give them a tool that just take a model later. Don't worry about it. The engine will deal with it. Right. I mean, that just is going to unlock so much creativity and just, you know, democratize, you know, you're still going to need to code and, you know, all this other stuff to a certain extent, but there's so much of that heavy lifting that's being done for you that it's just, I, I just find it incredibly amazing. And that you don't have to pay, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a toolkit. You know, you just download it anytime you yeah. want. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that was announced. I mean, it's kind of um, <laughs> the side note in the, uh, the giant shadow of all of this uh, incredible visuals that we're going to be talking about. But it is worth noting that they also announced in the same moment that they are waiving the all fees on all games that use unreal engine up to the first million dollars in game revenue mm -hmm. so yeah i mean you're talking about being a uh, a young designer or coder uh making a game there's there's no downside to trying something you can make a million dollars before you have to pay them a cent for these incredible tools that's pretty wild and i think it's it's just opening up this to a wider and wider group of creative people that are going to continue to wow us. Um, but so you mentioned Jeff in introducing this, that it was running on what they said was PlayStation five hardware, uh, unreal engine five, of course, like the previous unreal engines, the whole point of it is for it to run across a lot of different platforms. So it's interesting that Sony kind of got a rub of wow the PlayStation 5 looks so impressive whereas you know the first glimpse of Xbox Series X gameplay we saw didn't really you know wow to the same extent but one has to assume that this kind of thing if it's possible on PlayStation 5 will be pos possible on Series X that was and cleared up yeah the, uh, i forget who made the statement but they said it runs on both and it looks fantastic Right. And, and and Unreal Engine 5 is made to create games on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, iOS, Android, Mac. The whole point of the Unreal Engine is to be easily you know, moved from – to make great third-party games that can be easily moved from platform to platform. So I, I think it was shrewd of Sony to make it really seem like this was – a hallmark of the PlayStation five, but I don't, I don't think that there's anything here that, that is unique to PlayStation five or will outshine Xbox series X in the long run. 
But I do think that the the takeaway that a lot of people got from it is, wow, the PlayStation 5 is impressive, um, when it was really more just about what this engine is capable of. Right, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I think the PlayStation 5 is impressive. You know, I, I, I think it, it, it is both ways. But yes, everything I've read and seen, Series X will be fully capable. And I'm curious how well it scales down, like you mentioned, to iOS and to current gen consoles. I think a real testament of Unreal Engine 4 is that you can play games that use it on Switch or on your phone. And they look different, but it's so scalable. So I'm very curious to see how Unreal Engine 5 works in practice. And then the other part of it too is, uh, we've seen beautiful Unreal demos before. You know, like there's the, uh, Epic is epic at making demos for their engines and hardware. And sometimes we get games that live up to them, and other times we do not. But after seeing right. this demo, my golly, I hope we get a game that lives up to it because it looks. But so yeah, good. and there's still little tricks that they're in there. Like you know, before they have the big vistas, they have, they have to go through the tiny little tunnel, so it has time to load all the triangles in the background. I mean, there's still techniques even in this this demo that was you know obvious that they were using at points. But yeah, still, um, it's it, it makes me very excited. And you know, I'll have to see who knows what my PC is going to be able to do. I, I haven't had a console since my Atari twenty six hundred, so. Um, it, it may be time for me to, to jump in and pick up one of these things to be able to play some of these these next gen games without having to really get a super beefy PC. But we'll see. That uh, yeah, that's uh, I mean, especially if the price point of these new consoles is is down in the you know four hundred dollar range. It looks like it will be competitive with a multi thousand dollar PC right now, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from what we saw either. My jaw was on the floor also, and. You know, I'm old enough to remember when they were showing this incredible kill zone footage and motor motor storm. And we all were like, what this what PlayStation three is going to it's going to change every this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And then later we found out it was all target videos. But I also kind of never really um, was too mad about that because Games did end up looking like Killzone and Mortarstorm target videos. It took a little longer than we thought, but it wasn't inaccurate, right? That's how video games ended up looking by the end of that generation. And so there's part of me that really loves the look at what is going to be possible right around the corner and get excited about video games. And oh my gosh, video games are incredible. But... Oh, and also, I also don't think this is juiced. I don't think this is a target pre-rendered target video. I do believe because it's about an engine, it's really there to showcase an engine. Choo-choo. I don't believe what I said choo choo. He's, he's making engine noises. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't believe that this is the same case, and I don't mean to bring that up to insinuate that it is the same kind of thing where they would pre-render something and pass it off as real time. But I do happen to know that. What you're seeing is not real. It would be very, very difficult to create a whole game out of. Like, yes, this is all possible as a tech demo, but we saw the uh, the art director on um, on God of War tweet that you know, good luck any art team trying to do this for a 30 hour game. And I also heard off the record. I'm not allowed to say details or how I know, but I've heard off the record how big these this file was <laughs> and it's not it's not feasible right it's not, it's not feasible <laughs> yeah this this is a 
and the reason that the art director for, for God of War said what he said is that the level of detail that you would have to do just pure like man hours for creating art assets or models of that level for a, a game. I mean, it's one thing to do it for a Hollywood film when you have, you know, a hundred shots or 200 shots or even 300 shots in big, you know, Avengers type movies. There's very few games, first of all, that have the budget of an Avengers, right? There's the, the Rockstar games, and that's a pretty short list, maybe Call of Duty. But after that, but also that movie is two hours long, you know, maybe two and a half hours long in, in Hollywood movies. If you're doing that over 30 hours of gameplay, it's such a Herculean task to just create that kind of detail over such a broad, uh, pal- you know, uh, canvas is the word I'm looking for, um, that it, it kind of paints an unrealistic, <laughs> dungeon, an unrealistic expectation yeah. of what we might see. Because, yeah, you can do that over whatever that was, two and a half minutes of tech demo but to do it over you know a 10-hour game a 30-hour game is i think still something that probably is out of reach but i I wonder as we get closer and closer to photorealism or you know like this this high fidelity of graphic to what extent like there's just the rock file you know what I mean? Like this is a tree and then you can tweak it. And there already is a lot of that in unity unreal. And I, and I wonder if that combined with like the lighting and everything else that goes into it is where, th- you know, these later engines really start to shine where it's, you're not needing to create everything from scratch because it's like an Oak tree is an Oak tree. And yes, there's variations and types of Oak trees, but there's some AI, something that runs it. And you know, like, I don't think we're far. I really don't think we're far from, this engine and, and whatever might come right after it or right around the corner being unlocked. I, I, I mean, I can't believe what, I mean, not to jump ahead and I'm not just finishing this thought. I can't believe what we're seeing on the PlayStation four with that ghost of Tsushima trailer and what God of war looked like two years ago and what doom yeah. looks like right now. Like if you're telling me that this is unreal engine five and sort of demos capable of right now, I have to believe that two years into the lifespan of these consoles, we'll be getting stuff really close to that. I hope so. I'm ready. Just to be clear, um, the uh, the designer that I referenced is Raf Grissetti, who was the uh, I think the art director on uh, God of War uh, at Sony Santa Monica. He tweeted, "Kudos to the art team that can create with this fidelity for 30 plus hours of gameplay." And then there's an emoji of laughter uh and then he (laughs) he followed that up with to be clear i didn't say it was impossible just giving props to the teams that can pull it off but he also uh he also retweeted somebody that said uh twitter the website where you can explain how to create a 3d scene to the art director of god of war because somebody was telling Raf Grissetti that he was crazy that that wasn't going to be the case anyway uh, i just think that's very interesting and and the people who have to do it for a living understand the work that is represented in that demo not to say we aren't going to see games like that i just think it might create a bit of an unrealistic expectation maybe but i also think as like you know more art house project you know if i'm doing just think of what i could do with gone home right with like a very limited space right it doesn't have to be vast vistas but now i could really you know spend a ton of time detailing every everything in a house like a locked room mystery or something i mean i i think there's there's a lot of different ways to go with it 
It is extraordinary, and it gets me very, very excited for next gen. And which is I, hard because you, know, Jeff, you're usually very jaded and low key. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I watched. I've watched this <laughs> this thing. This what two and a half minutes or whatever it is. Uh, I've watched it maybe a dozen times. Probably not that much. About a half a dozen times, but. It is every time I'm just like, this is incredible. It, it really is, you know, what you dream about as a, as a kid. And, and I'm thinking about ways that it's all going to, you know, the VR and all things that will be possible because the, these, this hardware can push this kind of thing. And the, and the engines are getting more and more optimized to create uh, this amazing visual stuff. So I'm excited. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, I do want to talk about ghosts, but that's not my story of the week. My story of the week was the, I felt like it had been leaked and rumored, but still felt like a shadow drop of Paper Mario Origami King being announced and shown at the trailer and given a release date of July 17th, which I believe is the same day as Ghosts of Tsushima. Is that correct? Oh, I don't know. It's very close. If not, I think it's the same day, which is Everything's like moved so many times. I don't have the dates in my head anymore. It's like doom animal crossing all over again. But yeah. so while Unreal Engine five demo was, you know, jaw dropping and just unbelievable and like what it was able to pull off Nintendo time and time again, demonstrates what art direction can do because paper Mario and the origami King looked phenomenal. And that's running on a, you know, a, a tablet processor from 80 years ago, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever the switch is running. And it looks, it looked absolutely incredible. And I, and I, it's a series that I have loved and okayed, if that makes sense. The highs are high and the okays are just okay because the highs are so high. And this looked to me, what they showed in the trailer um, like it could be another real high point. So I'm, I'm very excited and I'm curious, um, to both of you, if this is a franchise, which is weird to call it that because it's had so many different developers, but if, if this is something that also got you, cause this got me as excited as that Unreal Engine 5 demo, like absolutely stoked. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome that we're getting these releases. In fact, you know, Christian, yes. A lot of people have been very unhappy that the cancellation of E3 has meant that there's probably not going to be an E3 bumper this year. Uh, the infamous E3 hype train is going to have to be stay. It's going to have to be kept in the station. You know, choo, it's not choo. Choo. yeah. <laughs> Sad, the saddest choo choo of all time. There's no, there is no E3 hype train. But, but, ladies and gentlemen. Evidently, we're getting an entire summer of games announcements. E3 is going to last all summer. It's not going to be E3, but it's going to be a summer of games. And if you were hoping that we got a summer of games bumper from Sean Madigan, the creator of the original E3 hype train bumper, well, then, ladies and gentlemen, you're in luck. It's the summer of games on DLC. You're going to get hyped up in the news world. I mean, it's a little, it's, it's a little cynical that one, but, uh, no, still, it's great. Get it wants me to run out and grab a surfboard. It's very good. It's so good. Take that Jeff Keeley. I bet you don't have bumpers as dope as that. You're going to get hyped up, game. but it won't live up to your expectations. That's, that's the takeaway we want to get. The, okay. All right. That's, that's what just I saying. It's, it's my, it, that's my pull quote, baby. Come I know on. it's you. 
It's you. It is definitely you. Anyway, thank you, Sean Madigan, again for coming through for us. But we we got the summer of games, so th- you're gonna hear that bumper a lot because it's the whole so summer is, is 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 a summer of games. Anyway, I just thought that was appropriate because it feels like this Paper Mario announcement is one of these things that probably wouldn't have been like an E3 announcement, and now Nintendo is not really doing like a one time big you know parade of announcements they're doing these little bespoke you know individual announcements this wasn't even a direct it was just like here's a trailer go eat you know like it it was (laughs) yeah it was wild do you feel like it's not given paper mario the origami king it's due or is it just like hey it's another thing we got here it is i mean yeah i i think it it is i mean it got my Twitter blew up with it. I think it's going to sell like gangbusters for anyone that has a switch or people that can find switches. I think it'll do fine. I think maybe Nintendo realized that they're just like, I don't know. Here's a trailer. That's all we need to do. <laughs> and then they sat back and printed money. <laughs> Jeff, did you get a chance to see this trailer? Yeah, I, I, I saw it with my son contacted me and he was like, you have to watch this thing. And, but his preface was that it's like the creepiest thing ever. And, uh, <laughs> it kind of is. I, I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's, that's a really odd tone for Nintendo to be striking on this thing. It's, it just seemed, for just cute little paper folding stuff, it seemed very, you know, kind of dark and gritty. And I, I don't know, it's, it just seemed very odd to me. But it certainly piqued my interest. And, it was, you know, I have an eye out on the game. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's like, oh, Paper Mario, the Origami King. Oh, that sounds delightful. And it's like, no, the Origami King is the enemy. He is the, <laughs> he, he wants, he's out for you. Uh, the Origami King will get you. <laughs> it's like, oh. Oh, the Origami King is the bad guy. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, man, I, I love those Paper Mario games. They're so inventive and clever and fun. And um, the fact that it's coming out so soon, we didn't really know this was happening. I, as you said, Christian, there was kind of rumors of a new Paper Mario, but we knew nothing about it. And it's coming July 17th. That's 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 going to be here before we know it. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's a whole summer of games. So yeah, very, very cool. Paper Mario Origami King. Yeah, this summer is stacked. So what uh, Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath, which I get maybe I'm the only one very excited for, but I'm very excited for that, is closes out this month. Next month is Last of Us. The month after that is now Ghost of Tsushima and Paper Mario. And the month after that is it's that, Tsushima, it, by the way. Tsushima is, Tsushima, is, is yes, delicious, Tsushima, uncooked, uncooked <laughs> fish. <laughs> I haven't eaten out in a while. Leave me alone. Um, when you're, uh, you know, you know, you've had too much, too much sushi when you're haunted by the ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the honorable way where you order an avocado roll, and this <laughs> is the ghost way. Um, what's August? Then there's something big in August. What was it? My birthday, and then there's, I don't know. And then there's, there's cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. Assassin's Creed. It's like all these hundred-hour games are coming. Oh, Assassin's uh, Creed is August, I think, or is that October? No, I, I think know. it's October. I don't think we actually have we. I don't even have a, a, a release date yet, but I think it's a like October, November roll roll out game. I think, dude, dude. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, but you know, Paper Mario is going to slip under your door as well. You know, in, in July, <laughs> whether um, I want it to or not, it just flies right in. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. Uh, what did you think of that Ghost of Tsushima gameplay trailer? We got a new, we got a new state of play uh, focusing on the Ghost of Tsushima, as you mentioned. Uh, Eighteen minutes. Of did brand I mention new that? Co- did I mention the Ghost of? <laughs> I mean, in a way, you attempted to. <laughs> uh, 
it, I'm just kind of staying away from, from, I don't want to watch 18 minutes of this thing, but I dipped in and saw a little of it. I think the, the combat is so, is what's so fascinating. It's really the first time they showed how the combat is going to work. There's two types, uh, the honorable samurai or the way Christian will play <laughs> the bad, bad ghost version, yeah. uh, which is cool. Like the samurai stuff feels very interesting, very different than what most games are where you just sort of whack each other with what is basically sticks for until one's health bar goes down. Uh, this looks like it's more about, you know, one hit kills, but it's all about setting up for that one hit. I just think that's a really interesting technique, a really interesting take on a fighting style. And I hope it's super fun. It seems neat. Um, Jeff, did you get a chance to see this? No, I did not. Well, this game to me, I can't believe, like you said, Christian, it's all going to be packed in between, you know, Last of Us and all these other things that are coming out because I, this game looks gorgeous and interesting and different. Christian, are you excited about what we saw with combat? Are you, do you think this game is going to get overshadowed by other things and lost in the shuffle as a new franchise? Um, or do you think it's going to stand out? I think it's going to stand out. I think, I mean, you and I are both big Sucker Punch fans, and we've kind of been clamoring yeah, for, for sure. what they're going to make next. And I think what they're doing with this, well, I would have loved to have seen a new Infamous. It's a franchise I really like. Um, I think that this franchise has potential to speak to a lot of people. I mean, it seems so evocative of that style of cinema. There's a black and white mode. You know, <laughs> you can play in, in, in black and white mode. And, and what the world... It just, I think, I think it's really going to speak to a lot of people and it's going to feel, um, fresh in ways that, uh, you know, other open world games aren't. I know we've seen other samurai games in the not too distant past, but I think, I think this is going to really connect with people and assuming it plays as well as it looks and the story's as compelling as they're teasing it out to be. I think that this thing could be a really big hit. I feel like this is you know, the next Sony studio horizon zero dawn style game, right? Where it, yeah. it's, it's not going to sell call of duty numbers, but what does, um, but I think it's going to be a big hit in the start of a franchise for them. And something that I think could spin out a ton of other media around it. You know, the world seems so rich and it seems really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looks great. And even though it slipped a little bit in its release, like you said, we got, it's just so many huge games coming out. Boom, 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 boom. It's going to be wild. Um, yeah. And it's a PS4 game. I just don't, it's like one witchcraft, you know, like watching that stream, just huge, like, huge world. But I think that's the thing about this Unreal Engine 5 demo is you go, you know, you look at Last of Us and, or two, you know, Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima and some of these games that are coming at the end of life cycle here. And you go, wow, that, I don't even know what the next gen could even do. And then Unreal Engine 5 is like, hold my beer. You know, it, it really, it really did. It really proved that there is a next level to get to. Uh, and I think that's pretty great. I, I, I hope it doesn't, I don't know. I hope it doesn't make these end of generation games feel less than, I, I don't think it will, but uh, it's neat to know that we do have this, this next place to get to that's even going to make these games look old and busted by comparison someday, <laughs> you know? Um, but my story of the week, man, I got, I got a couple of juicy ones here still left. Uh, we have Jeff here. So I want to get his 
uh, feedback. I know, Jeff, you are obviously a board game fan, but also a Blizzard fan. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, Days of Wonder has teamed up with Blizzard to create a version of Small World called Small World of Warcraft that takes the uh, Warcraft World of Warcraft IP and layers it onto uh, what is a very, very good tabletop game. Um, what's your take on this? Is it is this kind of thing cool and will it help um you know people try a game they they probably wouldn't is it do you like when you when these new ips get get layered onto old games or does it feel more like a monopoly you know <laughs> pick <laughs> well, your monopoly we'll have to see what they do with it but i think they're going to be doing some interesting stuff um so you know and and i think that one of the 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 fun things when they bring these ips in is i think it just in general brings more people you know to the board game hobby you know so you're going to get a lot of people that like world of warcraft and see that sitting on a shelf and like hey let's try that yeah. um and i've always been a big fan of this system it actually started its life as a game called vinci uh which was right. about barbarian tribes attacking europe and then was later repackaged as small world um and so yeah i'm and and there's been a ton of expansions and and things for small world already um, so I think it's, uh, you know, I think once you come up with the pun, you have to go with it. I feel like <laughs> pun-based game design is, is very important. So when somebody right. looks at it, it's like, oh, yeah, small world, world of work. Yeah, yeah, we should totally do this. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, you hope it's not just that they're just, you know, slapping a label on it and retheming it, but they're really, you know, tweaking things to, you know, bring in some uh, some Horton Alliance stuff and things like that. So, yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic well days of wonder tends to do a a high quality job and it looks like the art on it from just based on the little trailer they released looks like the art is fantastic so well days of wonder their business model has always been like one perfectly polished gem of a game per year you know maybe two tops so yeah i i have great confidence that they'll they'll give this the love and attention that it needs and deserves yeah christian did you get a chance to see the trailer for small world of warcraft i did not it is. Uh, you should check it out. It's pretty. It's pretty charming. It's. It's. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool. Small World's a great game. I. You know. It's like sitting three feet from me on my shelf right now. It's a game that is easy to teach. Super fun. It's. It's the perfect kind of thing to bring to a wider audience. You could imagine having this IP on it. I mean, I bet Small World is already sold in. You know, Target, but Small World of Warcraft certainly should be. It's definitely the kind of game that could be a gateway game for people. So. Yeah, I think it's a great a great pairing and a, a super smart. And as you said, Jeff, you can't you just can't fight the pun. If the pun's there, you just got to go with it. Uh, but I do want to I do want to ask you both about one more piece of news I I think is interesting. Uh, there was an interview with Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, who talking about uh, the coronavirus and all the global lockdowns and potential difficulties in the world of video games and whether or not the Xbox Series X was going to be delayed in its launch and all these things. And he seemed to be pretty confident that the hardware for Xbox Series X will still make a holiday 2020 release, which is, I think, good news if you're a fan of video games. But I found it interesting that one of the tidbits of this article, speaking to Business Insider, was that, you know, I think we all, certainly when this all started and we had to, you know, start working from home, a lot of the questions were, oh, which of the games in 2020 are going to be hit most by this, are going to be delayed, are going to be most impacted by shifting uh, teams to working from home and all that stuff that goes along with it. 
And it looks like a lot of that isn't really being a problem for these games that are coming out this year. We've seen some dates slip, but for the most part, it's it's not having a huge impact on the games for this holiday. But Spencer says in this article that we, what you are going to see is a lot of games that were earlier in development and that were going to be slated for 2021 that will be the games that are hardest hit. And I said the reason for that is how game production works. Games uh, that many months out may not have wrapped up all their motion capture work, for instance, or sound and music recording. And that's all stuff that requires people to be in the same room at the same time. And basically all the mocap studios are shut down and not in operation right now because people are respecting the work from home situation. So there's a lot of these, um, these games that are in that kind of mode that we probably haven't even heard about yet. They're going to have the biggest impact. Jeff, I wonder how you interpret that and what you think that means for a, a, a 2020 uh, for media in general. Um. Yeah, I, I thought it was Excuse interesting. Me, 2021. Sorry, I meant 2021. Yeah, no, I, I mean. And yeah, I think 2020, you know, most of that stuff is already, you know, pretty far along in development. It wouldn't be impacted. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not super privy to the way scheduling works with video games, but I've got to believe that with these types of developments that, you know, the, there's so much of it that's, um, that can be done kind of separately. I understand mocap and, and sound and stuff like that, but I, I, I would think that there's, the project can be structured in such a way to kind of shift that later in the cycle and get other things done sooner and things like that. Um, I, I, I don't think there's going to be like a giant gap. I don't think there's going to be like a, you know, a three month gap with no releases. I think mm-hmm. it may kind of smear things out and spread things out a little bit. I think movies is probably going to be much more impacted because, you know, this just, you know, production just hasn't happened for, for such a long, you know, for such a long time. And how's that all gonna, uh, yeah going to impact things where I think video games, there's so much other stuff and um, so much stuff that can, people can kind of do on their own. Um, yeah. You know, I have a, a product development company. It's kind of my, my day job is doing engineering design and, and uh, building products. And so certainly, you know, we haven't seen any issues on the hardware side. Um, you know, we can still get product built and, and made and, and brought in. Um, and, you know, from an engineering perspective, we've been, you know, reasonably productive, uh, in cer- certain circumstances, more productive, uh, with people kind of working from home and, uh, collaborating virtually and stuff like that. So I, I think the core of it, you know, maybe 80, 90% of it will, will do it, but, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that they'll be able to shift things around to make it work. Let me ask you a little bit about the board game industry, because uh, clearly, you know, board games are generally designed by fewer people, certainly than video games. Uh, and it's not the kind of thing where people have to collaborate in the same place at the same time. So I would imagine there's not quite the disruption, but I think so much of the board game industry is built around conventions and the interacting of, uh, not just people selling board games to people who want to buy them, but also inter industry relationships and demoing new potential designs to a, a, a group of potential publishers at these kinds of events. 
Do you have a sense of how that's going to be disrupted? Basically having no convention season for a year? It's people are still struggling with that. It's interesting that you bring that up. I, I, I was just talking with someone about that today and yeah, it's, it's going to be a big problem. I mean, the biggest ones. So, I mean, most likely Gen Con, which is the big E over the summer is, hasn't been officially canceled yet, but most likely it's going to be canceled. The Essen Spiele, uh, fair in Europe. That's the big one in Europe where they get like 120,000 people. That's, almost certainly going to be uh, canceled. That's in October. So yeah, it's going to be, you know, quite a large part. And and the board game industry has been dealing with first off um, all the distributors basically shut down. Um, there's yeah. like two or three distributors in the country for board games. And, um, and a lot of them just kind of serve uh, the individual stores. So first they were all, you know, they, they weren't allowed to just open in general in States that had those, uh, specific quarantine orders that warehouses weren't allowed to be open, but then even the stores that they were shipping to almost all the game stores across the country, um, are, um, are shut down. So really, right. even though everyone's at home, you know, and wants to play games, you've got to order them just like from Amazon or target, or, you know, you gotta, it's uh, the online order is the only way to get the games. And that's a different distribution network. So, um, a, a lot of the, the small guys in particular have been really damaged. And I like the comic book industries and kind of thing, the physical comic books have just stopped. Yeah. Um, so, you know, starting to see that some of the, the, the distributors are starting to open up, um, over the next couple of weeks. Um, but then, like you said, the other piece of it is, um, uh, the, uh, the, the selling side, you know, taking pitches and getting things in the pipeline and stuff like that. And like my, my daughter, uh, now works in the board game industry. So she works, um, for, uh, indie boards and cards, uh, and her job is uh, she does development, but she's also takes all the pitches basically. So she goes to yeah. conventions and gets like 40 or 50 games pitched to her over a weekend to decides what they want to do. And they haven't had any real pitches. They've had some people, you know, this done some stuff over email and stuff like that, but not in the same fashion. So they're wondering, you know, what does this mean to our schedule? And they're just kind of falling back on, you know, maybe doing some more just expansion stuff and more, um, uh, you know, just, just working in existing game lines rather than, you know, jumping in and, you know, trying to sift through tons of games to figure out the next, the next great thing that they want to do. Wow. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah. But, you know, you never know with people. Cause like a lot of people said, don't do Kickstarters now. Nobody's in the mood for a Kickstarter. Yeah. And then, uh, Frosthaven and makes Frosthaven, $10 million. Is, no, you're, you're, you're underestimating it. It did $13 million. 13 million. Excuse me. I think <laughs> I, I think I backed it at 10 million. I just assumed that's where it's, it yeah, ended. But not um, right. And, uh, which was almost my story of the week, uh, <laughs> which is an insane number for a board game, yeah. you know, 85,000 backers. Um, so, you know, it's so obviously there's still appetite out there for product. It's just going to be a question of, you know, how it gets through the pipeline and what happens. But yeah, I, I think, you know, the rest of this year, next year, it's going to be difficult. Um, I mean, there's a lot of very tiny publishers in the, in the explosion of board games. You know, now there's so many of these little guys and a lot of them I think are going to fall by the wayside just because they can't sustain through this environment. So it's, it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how it happens, how it shakes out. Uh, you know, really it just heart goes out to people because a lot of, so many of these board game companies and, and publishers are labors of love and it's, you know, kind of mom and pop feeling, you know, people in their garage quitting their jobs and deciding they want to get into board games or whatever it is. And just, it'd be such a shame to see that all contract in a, in a real severe way. I would, you know, 
certainly hope that that doesn't happen. But it's, like you said, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. Mm-hmm. Christian, what do you, we haven't uh, talked about this before, this idea that maybe 2021 is really where we'll see the biggest effect from what's happening now. Um, I, I, that make, it makes sense in retrospect, but it's not something that I would have thought of ahead of time. What's your take? I think it's going to be longer than that. You know, I, 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 maybe we talked about it on this show, maybe somewhere else, but just the, I, I think in a much bigger scale, it's going to be similar to the Hollywood writer strike or whatever that was 2008. And you still see ramifications of that. It's just projects didn't happen. Didn't get made. Um, and I, and I think the repercussions of coronavirus on media and obviously people's lives as well, um, uh, is going to be profound. And I think, games are going to move i think i agree with jeff that you won't necessarily won't be like oh four months without anything to play but i have to imagine those bigger budget mocap style games um and there's going to be a hit and when those are able to come out and when they're able to get that work done um so it'll be interesting to see but i also don't think we'll know the full ramifications of it until like 2028 you know and you kind of look back at it as a retrospective and you find out why Dark Avengers never got, I mean, Dark Avengers, uh, Justice League Dark never got made, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, it's because of that thing, that butterfly effect, for better or worse. So, yeah, we'll be all be sitting around, you know, swapping gasoline for money and food and uh, driving in our, uh, our death mobiles across the wasteland that used to be America. And we'll be like, why didn't Avengers Dark ever come out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, on that note, so we will move on to the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. I love talking about Squarespace. I've been using Squarespace for over a decade on my own website, jeffcanada.com, but also recommending it to people uh, invariably. There are lots of people that come to me, family members, friends. They're like, hey, Jeff, you've been on the internet long time. You know about internet stuff. I need to make a website. How do I do it? I go Squarespace. It's just just Squarespace. <laughs> That's the only answer. You don't have to pay somebody to design a website for you. You don't have to learn HTML. You can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. You can make your idea into a cool website by yourself using those easy tools at squarespace.com because basically what happens is they give you these cool templates that they had actual, you know, really skilled designers create. And then you get to just start messing with them. You, you start with this cool template and then you just drag and drop, build things into it. If you want to blog or publish content, it's super simple. Showcase your work. It's so easy. If you want to sell things, you just drag in an e-commerce plugin that turns your website into an online storefront. It's so simple. You can customize everything, the look, the feel, the settings, the products, just a few clicks. It's easy. And everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. They have analytics to help you grow in real time. They've got built-in search engine optimization. There's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. Plus, if you run into any problems, 24-7 award-winning customer support. You can make it yourself. Make it yourself. Plus, just by listening to this show, we're going to give you a cool deal. When you go over and you check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, you get yourself a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use that offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. You can get domains there too. They have over 200 extensions to choose from. 
So check it out, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right, it's time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Um, Jeff, you have been playing a game that has me very curious as a big fan of Civilization. Uh, tell me about Old World. Yeah, so Old World is the uh, the new game, uh, which is an early access right now from Mohawk Games, um, which is the company uh, led by Soren Johnson, who did Civ Four and did Off World Trading Company and, and other stuff that I'm a, a really big fan of. So, yeah, this is kind of their next um, uh, big game in in the the Civ genre, um, and it's it's an interesting one. So it 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 looks on the surface like Civ, but there's a lot of elements of like Crusader Kings and, and other stuff in there. A lot of smart design choices that they made. So I've really been enjoying that. You, you have a physical, you play a leader and you have to have children. In, and, you know, those, if you die, when you die, those children take over and have, you know, other advantages and disadvantages. And as they're growing up, you can send them out to do different things to try to get different experience. Um, there's different families within your empire that you have to kind of manage and, and balance so they don't start getting upset at each other. Um, but even just, so, so just it's, it's got that sort of, so it's a much more intimate feel to it. Um, sometimes yeah. the Civ game has where you're just a little bit more abstracted. You're, you're really kind of down in there and dealing with, and there's some, a, a lot of events that pop up that you have to decide how you're going to deal with. Um, and, uh, at the same time, there's some interesting, what I think are smart mechanical choices. Um, there's kind of this core concept of orders, which is just the number of moves that you're allowed to make on a turn. You can't just move do, move everything and do everything you want on a turn. You have to kind of pick and choose what's important. Um, and even little stuff like the tech tree, you know, it's when you're up for new technology, you can't just pick any, anything on the tech tree. It's like shuffles a deck basically and shows you, okay, here's four options of what you can do next. Pick one, or you can wait a whole other turn and um and and pick from another random selection if you're not seeing the one that you want but you can't just that seems, like that seems like fly. it could be frustrating it can be but it kind of forces you to to adapt on the fly you know so you don't feel like you're just you know you've decided this is the perfect path and you're you're going with that so it's it's been interesting um but it, it definitely you you feel the bones of civ in it for sure so it's yeah. you know it's still very much civilization it looks gorgeous too the engine looks really pretty i mean i'm I'm such a fan of like little diorama world aspect of civ you know it's like oh i could just make my world also pretty and cool uh this game looks very attractive yeah it's it's pretty sweet so i'm still you know i've it's it's i i have been playing it for many many hours but i still feel like i'm only really scratching the surface and you know they keep tweaking it and stuff since it's in uh early access at this stage so yeah right. i'm curious to see how it all comes out uh, once it gets there and that's called Old World, and uh, it is in early access on Steam. Actually, it's on uh, Epic. Also... I think you got to get it on oh, Epic Games. Me. Sorry. Oh, pardon me. I just offended everyone. Uh, <laughs> people who are fans of Steam and fans of Epic now all hate me. <laughs> Dipped my toe into that conflict. I yeah, don't want don't that want, to happen. You don't want that. I don't want that. Uh, well, let's talk about Tabletop Simulator. This is something I, I still... I don't understand why I haven't tried it yet, but um, well, I will explain to you why you haven't tried it yet. So, okay, <laughs> <laughs> please do. Do so I not want to? A little bit before about the, the, the tabletop industry and board gamers, and you know, from a publisher perspective, you know, but from a designer perspective, you know, it's it's so important to play test stuff, right? That's 
that's the heart of it is, you know, is getting around a table with people and having them play to watch people play it and stuff like that. And, um, that whole piece of it has been cut off, you know, it's very, very hard, um, uh, to do that. So a lot of people have fallen back on tabletop simulator. Um, and this one is on steam. And, uh, for those that aren't aware of it, it's, it's basically lets you as a designer, you can put in, you can put in cards and dice and pieces and make little miniatures, you know, and set up a table and, and boards and basically emulate the, the playing of a board game. So then everyone connects via network, everyone's remote, um, and they all kind of see the shared space and can move things around. And a lot of people will make sets of existing games. So there's tons of content out there for existing board games. Um, if you want to go and play, um, and there's some questionable, you know, stuff about most, most publishers are, are pleased to have their stuff up there. Um, but there's still a lot of people that just do it without actually asking for permission and stuff like that, which is a whole other right. conversation. Um, and so, you know, tabletop simulator has kind of become this, the hub now of the, the board game world over these last couple of months, certainly from a designer community, I've, I've been helping people play test a lot of stuff on TTS and, I hate this program with the fire of a thousand burning suns. <laughs> oh, now I'm very interested. <laughs> Tell oh me why. God. It is the, you know, stuff that should be easy, you know, it's just everything is just so opaque and they are so in love with their half-assed uh, physics engine, right? Everything uh, is flopping over and you try to put a card somewhere and it like flips, you know, and you move a cube or you try to toss a die and it just like flops down and doesn't actually turn or anything, you know, things are yeah. falling over. There's one button <laughs> any player can hit that flips the table and sends everything flying into the air. Oh no. Don't hit that button. Um, <laughs> there is an undo, but still, it's just like, it's, I don't know. You it's want just, less simulator, more tabletop, right? Yeah. I just, you know, I just want to put a card down, you know, I just want to deal yeah. cards out to people. I don't want it to be a, an ordeal. And it's, it kind of gets that way, which is kind of has, has, has been a challenge to work with. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's just as, as a programmer myself, you know, it's just, it makes me want to go out and just do an open source unit. So could they charge <laughs> for it also, right? It's, it's, right. Uh, so it just makes me want to get a big project together and, hey, let's all get together and make a real program that just, you know, it doesn't have to have a VR capability like this one does, you know, because they spend so much stuff on this super complicated stuff that the core stuff that you use all the time just doesn't quite work. So I don't mm. know. So we're making do. Everyone's kind of working with it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, is it, it, I guess the cool part about it is that you can create games that don't exist yet and because it's just all the bits and bobs and pieces and you can that's how you can you know test out games that you're just in the design phase for right i guess that's the cool part but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and there's nice some tools like there's some card generator tools that will automatically kick cards out into tabletop simulator i mean people are trying to like make stuff that makes it easier to use this program, but you know, it's, right. yeah, it's, it's nice for, for testing in that sense, especially if you can't get people together in a room, um, just, you know, make a whole bunch of cards and cubes and whatever, and, uh, you know, throw them up there virtually and, and let's, let's jump in and play a game. That whole flipping the table thing is, is like a, a nice joke to put in once, but you know, having it be <laughs> available at all times for anybody, it just feels like a bad idea, yeah. but <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's Tabletop Simulator, uh, and it is on Steam. Christian Spicer, what have you been playing? What's on your playlist? 
Well, the Monster Hunter World streams have continued. Um, they have continued. And um, a, a kind, wonderful soul. Um, it was a DM, so I'll keep it there. But friend of the show. Uh, good people. Gifted me Iceborne expansion for uh, mm. Monster Hunter World, which for me and my career as being the best Monster Hunter World player of all time, uh, means that I just got the, um, oh, what is it called? The hook slack, the, the slack hook shot thingy bobber <laughs> has a name. Yeah. No, definitely best Monster Hunter player in the world. <laughs> when you're as good as me, you don't need to know the name. Slack hook? No. Uh, I'd look it up, but I'm not going to. Um, but I got that, that new weapon from Iceborne. So it's real fun because I get to shoot and grapple on to uh, monsters and then, you know, hack away at them. I'm still playing with my charge blade. I'm still doing great. I'm an expert Monster Hunter World player. I still don't know what's going on. Like, I really don't. Like, every time I talk, I mean, I know what I'm, you know, like the the game kind of uh, the pattern of playing, but like you go back into the town area and they're like we're researching these things and they're they're great now go kill it and it's just it's i don't know i don't know what's happening uh, i don't know why my town needs me to kill these monsters that it's are not seeming- called monster researcher world you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's not a oh, clutch claw thank you the chat coming in and, and a clutch clutch claw yeah it, you research by killing and like our town seems safe like we're not it's not you know monsters knocking at the gates like we seem like we're doing okay and then it's like all right good now go out to where they live and kill them and i'm like you got it and i do um, and I kill them. I kill them hard and fast and real good. Like, um, but again, I, I played for another two hours on Friday, so I'm clearly enjoying it. Like there's something fun about the combat that it has where, uh, kind of that give and take push and pull of it taking a while to wear down this large, um, monster and it will like run away and tracking it again and stuff like that. And I think for me, a big part of it that, makes it so enjoyable is it's not self-serious in a way like the music is feels very epic but upbeat and um the other characters you're with are kind of cheery and over the top and it's just like a nice mix of of all of these elements coming together that makes it a delightful experience where you don't realize you've been playing for two hours instead of like you know kill the monster you need to like i couldn't handle monster hunter world if it had the same atmosphere as bloodborne you know i think i can't handle this world but it's still it's beautiful like went to a new location to go kill this one monster and like the each new area and kind of um ecosystem are just really well designed and graphically i think very stunning so i'm having a lot of fun with it the only negative thing and i haven't diagnosed what happened but the end of my stream the only reason it ended when it did on friday um was it crashed? And then I tried to load it back up and it crashed four times on me. And I, and I lost about an hour's worth of play, Ugh, which is such a real bummer. Um, so I don't know what it is. I don't know if uh, maybe the, you're too good at the game. And it <laughs> that's what I think. Out. That's what I freaked think out. I, I, yeah. I didn't, I I'd never experienced anyone with that level of skill before. And I just <laughs> didn't know how to handle it. They were like, uh, we have no new monsters to generate. You've killed them all. Your town is safe. Congratulations. <laughs> Credits. Um, but it's fun, man. I, you know, I'm talking about an old game and a game that you have talked about, but it is, it's a very fun, satisfying, and I don't mean this to be like demeaning toward it, but it's like a silly game. You know, it's just a silly game that I can see how people lose thousands of hours into, especially if they're, 
playing with friends and, you know, buying into that forever game um, approach. Have you gone back to it at all, Jeff, from when you were really into it there for a bit? Not really. No, I I never played the expansion. Um, I think you have to really invest in the desire for new cool armor or whatever, you know, the, the, the carrots on the sticks in that game, after I'd sort of gotten the loop and found the love carrots are there. The process is so lengthy to get to the cool stuff that I felt like, you know, Oh, I fought this one thing and I hope it drops the kind of goop that I need to build the right cool suit of armor. Oh, it didn't drop it. Oh, I guess I got to fight it again. That, that to me, you know, there are games where I do that. I play a lot of world of Warcraft. I definitely am not opposed to doing that kind of thing. I just felt like that game at a certain point, I was just like, ah, this chasing another dinosaur through the jungle just felt, I don't know. I, I got over it, I guess. I enjoyed it for a very short burst, but I didn't get that long, deep hook into me like yeah, you, you have. You, you had your fun, and yeah. then you... I danished it. it. Yeah, exactly. I danished it. Uh, so I'll be playing it again this Friday, 9 p.m. Pacific. Um, people want to hang out, assuming it's not crashing. And then I streamed on Saturday with Wombat from Cheap Gamer, and he, I let the, you know, whoever wants to spend their time streaming with me, they get to pick the game. And he's been very into Fortnite. And so we played some Fortnite. We played some duos. And you can find it. Guess who victory royaled the last match that we were playing the day? We did. We did. You don't have to guess. I think I already said it. I, um, I wouldn't have guessed you guys. So yeah, yeah it was we surprising. Did. We did. Yeah. And it was great. My kids were in the room. Uh, two of Stuart or one, at least one of Stuart's kids were in the room. And like, we, we know there's only like one other duo left. And I think like his son like crosses the TV and you hear him be like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Like, my kids like on each side of me, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, shh, 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 shh. I can talk to you the whole game, except for not right now. Like you need, you need to be quiet. Um, and Daddy, I have, I'm hungry and I need water. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> not right now. Daddy has one more duo to take out. Um, and, you know, we were hanging out when I was playing and I pretty regularly and buying the season passes, but I had not played Fortnite now in a very long time. I mean, it is, it is wild how much other game is in that game now. Like, there's and these might have been in there for a while like i said i haven't played in a long time but it's like there's the chess so it's still chess but now they're like blue chess that are like better chess and then you can like fish and fishing can get you stuff but like how when i have time in this like one v 100 or whatever it is i'm like sit on a bridge and fish like what what even is this game anymore like and like all these checkpoints to go it's like there's like an mmo like go get five feathers and bring them over here and find these vistas and go over here and do this and this teleportation thing takes you to here. Oh, and there's like bots. In, like there are bots in it, but there's also like AI. Like there are areas where Stuart was like, oh yeah, we can't go over there because I forget what they're called. Like the collective will get us. I'm like, what is the collective? And it's like just enemies. There's like compounds that are guarded by like, in a, like not part of the match enemies. And like I had to go into a phone booth to change into a disguise to then go in this thing. We jumped in a porta potty and we popped out of a garbage can somewhere. Like, I have no clue, no clue what's going on in this game, but my goodness, if it isn't so polished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that porta potty, very high quality. But it's like everything looks good in it, right? Like yeah, he was playing really? as Deadpool. I had my uh, um, Borderlands Three skin on, and like every it fits every art style. It seems like, and there's just 
PlayStation 5 Xbox Series X launch title, Fortnite. Yeah, and I bet they'll do something very pretty with it. I, 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 I can't. I'm in awe of that game still, and like it's party mode, and it's jumped the shark and has owned it so well. You know, like yeah. hats off to them. It's just it's everything. It's, a, it's a, everything. Yeah. It's it's a force, yeah. and we had a lot of fun. Well, I want to tell you about a couple of uh, indie games that I am absolutely loving. Uh, I, I'm going to vow i know we just enumerated in the first part of the show how there are these just titanic games coming out month after month after month starting very very soon and i get it we'll be talking about a lot of those all of those on the show but i really want to make a point to keep talking about these smaller indie games because there's so much great stuff all the time and uh they fall through the cracks way too much two cases in point here uh, that I think are just phenomenal experiences that I'm completely in loving uh, this week. The first is a game called Fury Unleashed, which I would describe to you as what if uh, what if Spelunky and Contra had a baby, and that and that baby loved comic books. That's what Fury Unleashed is. It is you know you know how I love my roguelites. This is a roguelite that is got, it's like turned up to 11. It incentivizes you to be fast because you have this combo meter that there's all kinds of bonuses that you can unlock and equip uh, that are based on keeping your combo meter up. And your combo meter means that enemies will drop more resources and the resources will let you buy cooler things. And so there's all these incentives to, go fast, 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 because if you don't kill something, you know, in, in a short amount of time, your combo meter will expire. So it, it, it's kind of the antithesis of my play style in games like this, where I'm like cautious, I like go to a new screen. By the way, 2D, very attractive looking cartoonish visual style, but 2D sort of Contra style, um, uh, twin stick shooter in the sense that you one stick points the gun in, in the, the direction, you know? Um, yeah, I'm looking at pictures here. It looks pretty slick graphic wise. Yeah, so it's like this super style. slick. I, I really dig the art style. And the whole aesthetic is built around this comic book, um, you know, idea that, that each chapter is a different comic book and the comic books can be different genres and all of the things that you unlock are kind of comic book based. And it, you know, it, it the art style is, all the text is written like it was a, a, you know, a text box in a comic book. It's, it's my jam. I mean, I, <laughs> I love comic books. I, I love roguelites and there are so many different ways to be creative in how you tackle uh, these levels, how you, the, the platforming, you have this sort of down dash where you can plop down on the head of a bad guy. And it almost always is an instant kill. So you're like incentivized to get above things and, you know, go down, you know, um, turbo down on them. Uh, you have a melee attack along with ranged attacks. You get new weapons that behave wildly different, but you can switch back and forth between different loadouts. I mean, and there's a, there's a dash, there's all kinds of environmental hazards. There's spinning blades and fire and things shooting at you. I mean, it's kind of bullet hell stuff going on as well. It is wild and wooly, but man, it scratches all my itches. It's so well done, and it feels like this complete 
uh, the, the improvisational nature of what you're doing enemy to enemy and how wildly you can go and just go crazy on a level and just feel like you're, you know, you're this maestro of destruction and you're doing it fast, fast, fast because the game kind of wants you to. But then you kind of, you know, at a certain point, you're off the rails because you're going too fast and then you get yourself in, in trouble. And it, it's just this manic, fun, wild thing where you, and you die and you go back and you can spend your points and you go back and you every death was progressive and helped. And yeah, my jam, a roguelite with that kind of aesthetic, with that kind of uh, tight control. I am really, really digging this game. It's also available on Switch. I'm playing it on PC. It's called Fury Unleashed. Highly recommend this if you dig roguelites, if you like, you know, spelunky type games as well. Man, so, so good. Uh, the other game that I've been playing is called Fort Triumph. I'm also playing this on Steam. Uh, it is another, another mashup of some of my favorite things as well. I loved... Back in the day, one of my favorite games, old, old game, uh, was called Heroes of Might and Magic. Jeff, I assume you played a little Heroes of Might and Magic. Heroes of Might and Magic completely took over our family for years. My (laughs) daughter, in particular, loved that game. So, yes, not very very fond memories of Heroes of Might and Magic. Their doors were (laughs) locked and they said, like, do not. And it just kept coming and it just took over. No, I'm saying, yeah. In the best way. (laughs) I love that series. Uh, there was a, a games called King's Bounty that kind of were the spiritual successor. That I loved those games. Fort Triumph is in the same ilk as a Heroes of Might and Magic, except Heroes of Might and Magic and King's Bounty had this very specific combat scenario. Basically, these games, if you aren't familiar with Heroes of Might and Magic, it was it's it's very much a, a board game as a video game. It's turn based. Everything's turn based. You have this sort of overworld where there's all kinds of different things happening, different incentives to go and do things. You know, there might be a treasure chest on a map that you can go over and get cool stuff out of, or there might be some enemies wandering around that you could fight and get XP, or there might be little story-based things that you want to go and do. Um, and that is the, is the macro level, the, the over map. And then when you get into combat, it zooms in and you're now on a grid-based, turn-based sort of army versus army battles. And you have lots of different units and the enemies have lots of different units and you're sort of marching toward each other. Everybody can move in very specific ways and attack each other. And yeah, which was actually way. based on a board game. It was actually based on the was board it? game Titan. Yeah. Uh, I did you, not know that. Yeah, where you move around on a big map and then you fight on a separate little mini map where you collect your creatures. Huh. Yep. Wow. That's why I felt like Incredible. a board game. I I guess. When, when did <laughs> Titan come out? Titan, Titan was early 80s, I think 81 yeah. or something like that. Wow. I think it was Very Titan cool. AD, I think is when it came out. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so what this game does, Fort Triumph, is it, instead of doing that sort of army versus army on a grid, uh, almost like this weird version of chess or something, what Fort Triumph does is it becomes a tactics game. So it, it's basically XCOM in those fighting moments, but it does it in a really cool way. It's very physics intense. So the maps are all randomly generated and they have lots of things, trees and big stacked rocks and sometimes buildings and uh, all kinds of stuff around them. And all of those things can be used as cover, but also are susceptible to physics. So you can have 
a wizard who can do a whirlwind spell and knock over a tree. And if that tree falls on a bad guy, it will stun them, preventing them from attacking you and hurt them. You can pull people, uh, bad guys, into each other, into things on the ground. You can push things on the ground into them. It's got this whole layer of manipulating the environment to try to stop people from doing things, basically ways to stun enemies and knock them around and bash them into each other to stun both enemies and a layer of strategy that I haven't really seen in an XCOM game uh, done like that in a tactics game. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Gears tactics as well. So I'm, I'm sort of in that mindset and I just love how this game does the fantasy setting. You know, you have rangers and rogues and paladins and all these things. Uh, and you and you can accumulate a, a pretty cool stable of heroes that you can mix and match, and they all level up in really interesting ways. And I remember in my discussion of Gears Tactics, talking about how it kind of bothered me that you had to micromanage each individual member of your team. I said it was too much. But here, somehow it feels very cool because the decisions, I think, are more straightforward. There's fewer of them at a time. Your individual characters level up, and there's, I don't know, I guess being in the fantasy setting also, it, it seems clearer to me and more fun but also that over map that heroes of might and magic way in i just lends itself to that you're also building up your your city and there are buildings that you can build with different resources you can recruit new heroes and build new teams you can do these upgrades that work across all your heroes and the craziest thing and Correct me, Jeff, if I'm not remembering that this has ever happened before, because I don't remember a game like this doing this, which is you can have multiple groups of heroes wandering around the map at the same time. So this game is broken down every turn that you take on the over map. You have a certain number of steps that you can upgrade by buying different buildings and things, but you have a certain number of steps that can be moved per day and then each day is you know seven days is a week and after a week the enemies get more challenging and the game is doing all the stuff in the background and moving stuff around the overmap. the bad guys are on the overmap, and so you have this sort of ticking clock of bad guys getting more powerful and you want to maximize your moves day by day and you can actually have multiple teams of good guys doing stuff on the same day. I don't remember those games doing that, but maybe I'm just blank spotting that. But yeah, I don't recall either. It was always like separate armies that were moving around. Yeah. Yeah. You had, you had an individual team and it it, kind of blew my mind. I got this character. um, I unlocked her from a cage. Uh, There, there are certain heroes that you can find on the map by winning battles as well. And they'll join your ranks and one of the characters that I unlocked, each of them, by the way, randomly generated, has unique properties and, and like a cool trait about them that will change up how they play. This one had this trait called like a loner, where it wanted to be the only member of the team. And you got all these bonuses if it was the only member of the team. So she is this one man or one woman army. Uh, while I also have two other teams going around the map. And it's so fun to get into a fight or to prioritize which fights on the map I will do with which of my loadouts, which of my teams are best suited for these kinds of things. And it'll show you the relative difficulty of what you're about to go into based on the team that you're thinking of going into that fight with. 
So I'll have my big, you know, five member team that has balanced of magic and ranged and melee and all that stuff do certain things. And then I'll have this like one woman, awesome barbarian that only wants to be a loner go into these fights. And she's got all these cool upgrades that I've unlocked uh, that make her like if she's targeted by enemies, she gets more action points so she can do more things in a round. And since she's the only one there, everyone's targeting her. So it's like this cool, completely different play style that I'm doing, not on a second play of this game, not on a different save within the same playthrough. I'm doing sometimes I'm with this kind of a, a loadout. Sometimes I'm with this very, very different style of play. And it, it's so much fun. I think this game is so well designed. The, the combat scenarios are challenging. The first fight I got into when I ever played this game, I died. I tried it like three times, dying three times. And I was like, this is game's hard. But then I kind of clicked into how you really have to use the environment to limit the enemy's movements and, and ability to attack you and how you can set yourself up, like get close to casters so that if they try to move away, uh, you'll have attacks of opportunity. All these cool tactics that came out that evolved that I learned in in, in trying to beat that first fight. And now it's, it's it's layered and my characters are getting more and more powerful. My buildings are getting more sophisticated. So I have more opportunity to do cooler stuff. And I'm really digging this game. It's one of those ones where I'm like, oh, if I have 15 minutes, I'm going to go play some more Fort Triumph because I just I just want to uh, want to get farther. It's It's kind of that same Heroes of Might and Magic addiction that i had oh so long ago so i highly recommend this jeff i think you would really dig this game it's called fort triumph yeah it's on my wish list now you you sold me (laughs) all right all right uh let's move on and we got to get to tabletop time so we're gonna do that and then maybe loop around to vr talk if we have time but i definitely want to talk tabletop time All right, uh, we have Jeff Engelstein, one of my favorite board game designers, as well as one of my favorite people here. Uh, So let's start talking about one of your games that's, I guess, technically still upcoming, right? But you have released a version of it that is free for anyone to print out and play at home, right? We're talking about Super Skill Pinball. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a new game I've got coming out with uh, WizKids, uh, which is actually coming out in like September or October. Um, but, uh, you know, when all of, when everybody kind of went into lockdown and people were looking for stuff to do, we thought it would be nice to uh, release a free print and play that people could just uh, download and mess around with. Um, and uh, so we just kind of... Uh, put the regular art on hold, did a special set for this and uh, it's, it's been very well received. So this is a, it's actually a pinball simulator of sorts in a board game. Um, yeah. Christian, you gotta, I know you usually tune out for tabletop time, but you should listen to with the way you love pinball games. It's Jeff has basically converted pinball into a turn-based experience. It is wild. It is so, it's so clever and so cool and so authentic to the experience of playing pinball but it's like what if you could play pinball against people at the same time what if you all had the same pinball uh table and you were all able to play it at the same time against each other who would score the most points it's really such a cool concept 
Yeah. And I love pinball. I mean, I've always had a pinball machine when I was a kid, we had a pinball machine. And then, you know, uh, and now as an adult, we had a a hurricane and then I had a Star Trek next generation and now I have a Hobbit. So I've always loved pinball. Um, so I just kind of came up with this idea to do it as what's this new, new newish genre called roll and write, um, which has become popular now where you basically roll dice and then you mark stuff off on a sheet. So, um, in this case, each player has their own, uh, the, the exact same pinball table, um, but they've got their own sheet of it. And there's just two dice that are rolled, uh, shared and then by everybody. And each person just picks one of those two dice and moves their ball, um, to a target that they choose based on the die roll. And, um, you know, you score points and get bonuses and you get multi-ball and it's, it's, I've been very pleased with the reception of it. It's, it's just a lot of fun to play. And the first set is going to have four different tables, uh, with four different themes and, and lots of different stuff. And I'm actually been working on, um, some, uh, expansion tables. So this obviously naturally leads itself to lends itself to, to different expansions. So the first, the first pack that's going to be out is, is a car called carnival, which is like a carnival theme table. There's cyber hack where you actually can like run a, you know, kind of a net runner thing where you're trying to get the data out of the corporation. There's a dragon slayer, which is actually has like a mini RPG embedded into the pinball table where you actually can level up and learn different spells, which lets you manipulate the dice. And then Dance Fever, which is like a disco themed game where there's like a little mini pinball table called the Dance Floor, and you got to try to stay out there as long as you can. So it's uh, it's been fun, and I, I'm I'm a little frustrated that it's not coming out till like September October because um, we got a lot of buzz right now, but because uh, we released the the print and play, but you know we we did it just to get something in people's hands to do rather than for uh, you know marketing and publicity. So so we'll we'll it'll it'll come out when it comes out, and hopefully it'll you know, people will. Uh, remembered and enjoy it well uh, i mean you're you're being very humble about it it's it, uh, you were kind enough to send me a, a an early version of some of the other tables and i think it's i think it's brilliant i think it's so so cool i mean i like roll and write games anyway but basically the idea here is that you know as jeff was saying you you roll a uh you roll two dice and then you can choose which one of those to use and so everybody who's playing doesn't have to choose the same die to use can can choose the same die to use so you're all playing with the same given data but how you choose to do it how you choose to um apply the the same variables can be wildly different and i found that to be i mean that's what kind of roll and write games are anyway but in this particular situation i don't know how you manage to make that so variable because i i have to be honest when i first got this and i i played it i played it a lot solo because I kind of felt like, oh, that's what a pinball game is, is anyway. And it's kind of cool that you can play this game solo. And it was hard just, we were, you know, scheduling with my wife and all this stuff. But I didn't really understand how cool it could be until we played competitively. Because it really, it was like, wow, you your ball went in a completely different way than mine did. And I just found that to be such an interesting design challenge of creating a table where we could be looking at the same dice, but in just two dice, but the, you know, and the ball it's, it's, there's not just like a most efficient path through, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. (laughs) No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, you know, it was kind of a, a, yeah. I mean, there was, there was some design and there was sort of a, you know, it just happened to work out. I mean, I mean, I love the bingo uh, variant. It was used in this game, terrific game, which you, I don't know if you try called take it easy. 
um, yes. back from the nineties, which is, which is so much fun. And so I've always liked that idea where everybody has to use the same resources. So yeah, there's a lot of luck cause you're rolling the dice over and over again, but you know, everyone's got the same sequence. So it's hard to really complain about the luck since, since everyone's right. got the same stuff. Yeah. And, and Christian, I think, I don't know if you have a, a sense in your head of how it works, but it's really cool because each die roll moves the ball along the features of the pinball table and the ball naturally wants to go toward the bottom of the table every turn if you're not able to you know use that number of on the die in a effective way your ball is going to move closer to the bottom where it would you know go through the hole at the bottom and you know what's the word i'm looking for what what do they call it pinball that drain okay uh, I'm not a pinball guy, um, but so, so it, it kind of wants to move down and you're trying to figure out ways to keep it going and try to maximize bouncing off as many things and scoring points, just like you would in a pinball. It's really the metaphor of the pinball table teaches you how to play. It's such a, such a simple game to teach because everybody understands basically, oh, here's the goal of pinball. And when I'm on a flipper, it's going to go back up into the top part of the you know, piece of paper that I'm playing on. It's, it just, I don't know. I'm, I know I'm uh, being effusive here, but I, I think it's such a, such a brilliant design, such a simple idea that is elegant. And like you said, there's multiple different tables in the box. And so you can see just how different each one can play from the last. And you can layer on all these cool concepts and, you know, mini games inside that same very simple structure. Mm-hmm. We should get the person on who designed it on the show to talk about it. That sounds great. Yeah, it's really Christian. I think you would. I think you would really no, dig I'm, it. It's I'm, such a I, cool idea. I'm, I'm being sarcastic about the moment, but you no, know, yes, the game does sound right up my alley. I'm curious what you haven't talked about, and I can't visualize, and I haven't typed to look up is how much table space does it take? How big of a game are we talking? Oh, it's just oh, a small. It's just a single sheet. So small. it's like a single oh, you know, cool. five eleven sheet, and that's yeah per per person. Yeah, that's, very easy then. Very doable. Yeah. yeah. You just got a little, you know, you got your little pencil or your pen and you're just like marking stuff off and everybody basically plays at the same time. And so you're not waiting for anybody to take their turn. You're just rolling, you're rolling dice over and over and over again, really fast. It's, it's a, it's a quick game. It's a fun game. It's an easy to learn game. It'd be great if people listening could buy it right now. You know, you can download But you can download it. Um, yeah. So I guess in the show notes or something, we'll put up a link to it. And there actually is somebody, somebody turned it into a tabletop simulator uh, version as well. So you can play <laughs> oh, it up that's there. That's hilarious. So you can flip the table while playing <laughs> You it. can flip the table. Yeah. Uh, no, All so right, I'm excited so, about that. Um, but I've yeah. been playing some other... <laughs> Not non-Jeff stuff too when I'm not testing, trying to test stuff out. Um, so I've been really enjoying um, this game. It's it's a little bit, a bit let's say obscure, but you know it's certainly a, a more complex game than Super Skill Pinball. Pax Pamir, which is a, a yeah. simulation of um, kind of the great game in Afghanistan, Afghanistan in the 1800s and Britain and Russia and the Afghan tribes all trying to uh, maneuver. Uh, it's designed by Cole Worley, who did um, Root, which has become, you yeah. know, very, very popular now. Um, and uh, this, this is a remake of one of his older designs. And we've been playing that on this other simulator system called Vassal, um, right. which is another uh, kind of way of playing tabletop games on a computer. And, you know, we've been playing with the same group like once a week. We've been playing for like the last eight weeks, every week on a Wednesdays. And it's been interesting. Uh, it's been a while since I've played a game over and over again. And um, 
So it's it's been pretty cool. I'm on a two game winning streak. So we'll see if I can keep that going this time. So uh, what what made your group decide to play this one repeatedly? It's very there's there's a lot of depth to it. Um, just you know, Cole's games always are very uh, you know both simple but but tricky. I mean, this one's got a couple of different ways. That, you know, there's there's two main ways you earn victory points. Um, if one of the fat, one of the three factions, you don't actually play one of the factions, but you can align yourself with either the British or the Russians or the Afghans. Um, so you're playing like kind of a local leader that's just trying to manipulate the, the situation to your advantage. And, you know, if there's one dominant faction, then the person that's, uh, the player that is, you know, has the most influence with that faction is going to score the most points when these dominance checks come up. But if it's, um, the, um, uh, if there is no dominant faction, if the factions are close enough in power that none of them is dominant, then it falls back to a completely different way of scoring points, uh, which has to do basically with the number of discs that you've got out on, on the board as spies, as, as, as tribes, as different things you can use these discs for. But who's ever got the most discs out is going to get the most points. And so you have to kind of read, you know, you can shift alliances, you can jump around and you, you, you have to kind of read the situation and say, okay, I think the British are going to be dominant. So I need to start uh, either strengthening my position with the British, but if other people start seeing do that, then they may try to make the British not dominant. So there's just a lot of very interesting interaction. And the physical set, which I have is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's kind of a limited yeah. run and it's got like a a fabric board, you know, like the old Ultima maps that used to, used oh, to have. Yes. So it's got like a Loved cloth those. board. It's got these gorgeous, like very chunky blocks. And if they're standing up their armies, if they're laying down their roads, um, just everything is just top notch in the production. So just physically, I've played it, you know, in person as well. It's just, it's just a gorgeous tactical tactile experience to play. The, uh, just a quick side note, those, those cloth maps from Ultima is the reason that I had the map for dungeon run printed on cloth. I was like, I want, I just, that was to me, that was what a fantasy map was, was this cloth map. Anyway, I miss that. I miss that all those, that, that this tchotchkes used to get with the games back in the eighties and the nineties. That was great stuff. A stone. There was one that like came with a stone. Like they put a, a rock in every box of a video game, you know, or, or yep. yeah, those, yeah, those it's much so more great. convenient to just download it now when you want it, but it's, there, <laughs> we lost something there for sure. I agree. Anyway, uh, that was called Pax Pamir, yes. um, but I'm, I'm really excited to hear about Unmatched. Okay. Yes. So I've been playing a lot of Unmatched. So that's a two player, two or four player game. Um, so 10, 15 years ago, around 2000, I guess there was a game called Star Wars Epic Duels. Right. Um, which was just one of these mass market Hasbro games. And it just, it turned out to just be phenomenal just as a game. And it, it became sort yeah, of this you could grail play like, game. You could play like uh, 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 Princess Leia against Chewbacca or, <laughs> yes. you know, like any kind of weird combination of different Star Wars characters against each other. Right. Yep. And it got to the point where you just couldn't get any more. And it was like a hundred dollars if you want, or, or even more um, if you want to get a copy of it. I think it's still probably still super expensive if you want to get it. So anyway, there's this company, Restoration Games, which happens to be headed up by um, Rob Davio, who used to work with Friend Hasbro. Of the show. And yeah, okay, cool. And he also designed <laughs> Star Wars Epic Duels. And um, so they reprint stuff. And so he was able to get the license to it, but to the system really, but not to the Star Wars stuff. Um, so they kind of cleaned it up. Uh, oh yeah, I'm looking here on Amazon. Star Wars Epic Duels is now $250 Whoa. on uh Amazon, if you want a copy, 
Um, so uh, I would suggest going with Unmatched, which is much, 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 much less than that. Uh, but because they can get Star Wars, they they have um, just kind of public domain characters, but they've chosen really interesting stuff. Um, so right now, uh, and some some licensed characters as well, but right now the characters that they have out are Alice in Wonderland, King Arthur, Sinbad, Medusa, Bigfoot, Robin Hood, and Bruce Lee, who is not a fictional character, but uh, and they all <laughs> right. it's, it plays super simply. You just have a deck, and it's usually either just um, for most of the characters they have what's called a sidekick, so it's them. It's you have the, the, the little miniature for for the main character, and then you can have discs that represent uh, the other people. So like uh, Medusa has a bunch of different ones. Robin Hood has a ton of different little merry men sidekicks. King Arthur has Merlin. Uh, Bigfoot has the Jackalope. So they all, they, and, and they, and you get a deck of cards and this, you know, so some cards will say can be played by either characters. Some maybe just are Bigfoot cards and some are Jackalope cards and they all have special powers. And so you really got to learn your deck. So it's, it it's one of these games. that's again, very easy to teach to somebody two minutes, you can get up and running on this thing. Um, but learning the decks, learning your opponent's deck and trying to predict what cards they might have and playing around like Medusa has this deadly, very deadly stone gaze card, uh, which does like 10 points of damage and 20 kill you. So it's just huge. And so trying to play around that and just knowing that she has it is makes things interesting. So it's just, I've only played a two player. There's a four player version as well for teams. Um, but the, the two-player game with all those different characters, and they've got new ones coming out. There's a Jurassic Park one coming out with some dinosaurs, and there's, there's just all kinds of crazy stuff that they've got planned for it. Uh, different boards that you can play on. Um, it's it's just a real top-notch, smooth-as-butter as uh, kind of game. Yeah, and Christian, again, very much up your alley here because they teamed up with Mondo. I know you're a big fan of Mondo, right? The, uh, yes, the, uh, my walls are covered people. in their stuff and my their puzzles should be coming here next month. Yeah, so the art and art design, the, uh, the aesthetic of this game is very cool, very cool. It's like that Mondo sort of minimalist art deco looking kind of take on all these characters. And that's why they can do, I think, that's why they can do stuff like Jurassic Park because they're also you know, kind of leveraging Mondo's mm-hmm. IP relationships. Um, so it, it clearly is a huge hit not to be the Star Wars. You know, it's like Sinbad is a far cry from, you know, <laughs> Darth Vader. But uh, for, I think, for enthusiasm from the general public. But, uh, you know, everything I've heard about this game is just that it's it's so simple and so fun. And, and the the fights are so wild and woolly. Um, I heard the one complaint I think people is that it's a lot, it's kind of random and a little luck based, um, because you kind of don't know how to, you know, how, strategically it's kind of just a random, what, what your opponent is going to play on their yeah, turn. I mean, is if that, you, when you play, you don't know what defense card somebody has. So yeah, but yeah. you've got multiples of most of your key cards, you have multiples in your deck and, and you only get to go through your deck once, right? When you reach the end, it's like Hearthstone, you know, you start taking damage every time you need to draw a card and you don't have anything to draw. So there's a time, ultimate yeah. timer on a game. So yeah, there's, but it's so quick, right? It's, you know, you're talking 10 or 15 minutes for a game that, you just swap sides and do it again, or you, you know, you can play it again. You don't feel like you're victimized. I mean, if you're playing a two hour right. game and you're getting hosed by the the luck, the card draw left right. and right, then that's a problem. In a 10 or 15 minute game, it's, it's not as big a deal. 
Well, you know, I, I haven't played this yet. Uh, I know Restoration Games, they, you know, the same company that did the Fireball Island remake and the Dark Tower. And, you know, they're just kind of knocking it out of the park right now. And so many people, the, the biggest question I get about tabletop games is, you know, recommend a two-player thing, recommend a two-player thing. I love to do a two-player thing, especially now when people are stuck in their houses and they, you know, they all they have is a couple of people, maybe their spouse or their you know, significant other. Uh, this just seems like the perfect thing. It doesn't take a lot to learn it. You can learn it super quick and play it super quick. And man, I, it just seems like a home run unmatched is what it's called. Yep. Definitely worth it. Um, and just real quick, I, I just would be remiss if I haven't mentioned one of my favorite games through the ages, uh, mm. which is a, a, a game from the early two thousands from Vlada Shvatel, uh, master designer, uh, his range is unmatched. So this is like a civ building game, but his, his most recent game is code names, which, which a lot of people I'm sure are familiar with, uh, which is one of the, the best party games that have come out in a long time. So he's, his games are just like from super complex to super easy. And he's just masters them all. It's, I am totally jealous. It's like a, Mozart Salieri situation here, but, um, <laughs> so there's a really fantastic app, uh, version of through the ages. Just the adaptation of it is fantastic. I will not play the actual physical game of it anymore. I only play on the app and I usually have like five or six games going. Um, so, you know, if you want to, uh, try it out, I, I highly recommend this app and I'd be happy to uh, show anybody the ropes if you reach out to me. You know, it's funny. I've only ever played Roll Through the Ages. I've never actually played Through the Ages, but oh, okay. I, I well, maybe I'll should, do the app. We maybe should I'll, do that. We should do that. You'll, I'm sure you'll own me, but we should definitely do that. All right. Uh, very, very cool. Um, Jeff, I'll leave it up to you. I know it is late where you are. We can do ta- we can do uh, some VR talk if you want to talk about Alex, or we can no, we can do VR wrap the show up. I, I, All right, I, that's fine. I, just so I can Let's hear the theme it. song. <laughs> All right, let's jump right in <laughs> and do some VR talk. Mr. Anglestein, you have been playing some VR lately. Uh, which which headset do you have? I have a uh, a Rift. Uh, yes, the not the OG. Rift S. I wanted to get yeah. the Rift. Uh, I wanted to get the Rift S, but sadly, it's out of stock. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people run into that issue. Um, and what have you been playing on your Rift? Um, well, lately I've been playing uh, Alex, um, like most people, I guess, with VR. Yeah. And I know you spent a lot of time uh, last episode talking with uh, with Rich Grisham about it. Um, so I won't belabor the point. I am happy to talk about it as much as you want. <laughs> well, let me just say. I keep going, I keep feeling like I'm going back and giving historical context here. And I guess that's just the game historian in me, but you know, I've been fascinated with VR for a while. And I, I, um, I was a volunteer guide at the Liberty Science Center here in New Jersey, right when they first opened back in the early nineties. And one of the original exhibits they had was kind of a VR thing, right? Um, it was very early. It was very rudimentary, but I just like fell in love with VR then. And I've been, really just, you know, monitoring it. And any time there's a chance to try it in video arcades or different things or demos, even, even other types of VR, like the battle mech pods that you see at conventions and things like that. I I'm just fascinated by that kind of stuff. Um, so I had the original, um, the, the Oculus, um, uh, DK two I had, and then I upgraded to the Rift when that came out. So, uh, I, I, finally feel playing Alex that like the promise that I first saw back then 
1993 is is yeah. coming to fruition. Um, and partly from technology, but just partly through just some just unbelievably smart game design choices. Um, and I know that, um, last week we talked a little bit about the emotions of it and the experience of it, but just, you know, just that gravity glove is just so freaking smart from a design decision. Cause just, you know, maneuvering around and trying to pick up little stuff and having to be in the right position to get stuff. That's always been a pain in the neck with VR. And then Alex, you really don't have to move too much your feet. You can really just stand in one spot and just, you know, beam around and grab stuff and do things. So, you know, it's, I, I've been just continue to get, I haven't finished it yet, but I continue to just be blown away by, uh, uh by each new set piece and, and each thing yeah. that's going on. And I found out I, the only problem I have with the game is that I had some unfortunate experiences with little league when I was, you know, eight and, and, um, my ability to throw a grenade is giving me flashbacks <laughs> <laughs> to being oh, out there funny. in the field. It's just, it's not, it's the number of times I dropped a grenade at my feet. Like it's just like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. There, I think the first two levels where they even give you grenades, I didn't realize that I could put it in my little wrist holder. You know, I just thought, Oh, I have to use these now. So I was like all about, I was just Mr. Grenade, you know, there's a, a, a box with some grenades in it. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm throwing grenades now. I didn't realize you could save them for later. Um, yeah, it's so, I mean, it's so fun. I, a lot of video games give you the opportunity to bake a grenade, you know, to pull the pin and hold on to it until the last second. I almost never used that, but in this game, I used it all the time. Oh, so great. Um, yeah there's one moment where I was like, I took a grenade and I put my arm through a chain link fence, like a hole in the chain link fence and tossed it. It's like, oh, nice. you don't get to do that in other yeah. video games. Yeah. It's, or somebody like, you know, one of the guys that throw combine soldiers throws a grenade at you and you just see it bounce off and you're like, ah, and you just quickly grab it and chuck it back at them and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Or flick it back to yourself out of the air with your gravity gun. It's just, it's the coolest. Uh, but I have to say, you know, as as two members of the International Brotherhood of Jeffs, uh, we have to talk about Jeff, right? Have you, you've, have you, I trust you've gotten to Jeff at least. Have you gotten to Jeff? No, I don't think I have. Oh, okay. Well, then I, you, have oh, something I'm to looking look forward, forward to now. Now I just reached There's the a, uh, North Star. So I don't know if it's. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. So you have not. Uh, okay. The North Star levels is, is amazing. North Star is this hotel that you get to. Yes. Um, but, uh, there is an entire chapter that is titled simply Jeff. And, uh, I can't, I can't wait to hear <laughs> okay, what well, you, you have think to have of you it. Back on. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It is, uh, it is, I believe one of the great chapters of a video game of all time. It is an extraordinary sequence of events that just keeps like one upping itself over and over. And anyway, okay. so yes, so I will, I, as, I will as have a Jeff, okay. yeah, and I, you, you don't spell it right, but you know, you're still a Jeff oh, as far ooh, as I'm <laughs> well, uh, I had this. I, I, I mentioned this on the show uh, before, but I'll repeat it. Um, I, I had this moment because it does spell it, you know, J E F F. And there was a moment where, like, you know, the titles of the chapters come up when you're playing that game, right. and it just said Jeff, and I was like, <laughs> this thing like scraped my username somewhere, and it's, like, doing some real meta stuff right now. I thought it was like, what is talking to me? This is crazy. That is funny. Anyway. Uh, uh, it, I anything else? To yeah. So I've also been. Uh, not that I'm a big gym guy, but I've been decided that, you know, if I'm going to be stuck at home, you know, I, I'm going to try to exercise a little bit more. So I have picked up a couple of more. Um, I've always kind of had Beat Saber as part of my exercise regimen. 
Um, and I had the uh, Verzoom uh, bicycle, VR bicycle that I used to use for years, although it's, oh, it really? stopped working at the point, which was really interesting. Um, but I picked up a couple of VR apps for my Rift, uh, fitness apps. So I've done um, this one called Box VR, which is like a boxing trainer. All oh, right. Um, which has actually been pretty cool and, and has helped. Um, I think I need to get some wrist weights uh, to, to really get, maximize you gotta get that. Your, you got to get your grenade thrown hand, you know, in <laughs> yes, shape. Exactly. Got to work on that. <laughs> uh, and then I got this other game, which has just been hysterical, called um, uh, Shape or O-Shape. Um, and uh, there, was a, there was a weird Japanese game show, which was remade in the U.S. years ago called Hole in the Wall. <laughs> Do you remember this thing? No. No. (laughs) Okay. You would stand at the end of a conveyor belt, and on the conveyor belt would be this giant styrofoam wall with a shape cut out of it. And you had to contort your body into the shape to fit through the hole before it got to you. I have seen that. Okay. Well, picture that as a VR game. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's uh, what is that? What is the game that launched with PS uh, PSVR where you're doing that, but not with your body? (laughs) You're doing that with shapes. Yeah. What was that called? Anyway, but that's hilarious. Are you literally having to like? Yes, yes. You know, I mean, it doesn't know where your feet are, but it knows where your hands and your uh, your head is. And yeah, you got to like get it into position, and you know, and sometimes you got to punch things, or you got to duck under walls oh, and duck under, you know, crouch. So I mean, it's set up as a fitness thing, and it's got some really, you know, some some pretty intense workouts, but it is just hysterical. I think it's funny that you would call a fitness game O shape. It's the, the last <laughs> shape you want for a fitness game, right? O O H. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Either way, like that's not the shape I'm looking for. Yeah, I you know? guess. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that's been my VR. Uh, what last question about that? We one of the things we talked about uh, several times on the show is people that use VR for fitness. What is your sweat on the face regimen? Uh, how do you deal with that particular issue? Um. I, I haven't really had that issue too much. Um, I mean, okay. most of the stuff I do, it's shorter things. It's like three minute bursts, four minute bursts, something like that. So I, it hasn't really been a problem for me. I'm also well, the only I, one that uses the VR, so I don't worry about it as much. I, I it wouldn't matter if it was just two minutes or four minutes. I, oh, really? I will sweat at the drop of hat. Okay. I will be missed. Yeah. Huh. I'm a, okay. Now I've been one of the fortunate the ones that I haven't had yet. that issue. <laughs> I wish. I wish that was me. Uh, awesome. Well, I'll just uh, add one quick thing. Uh, a Tetris Effect came out on Quest this week. Uh, it is excellent, and if you even if you have a Quest, it is a no brainer to get. I don't think it. Usually, games that get ported to Quest, you get a benefit from it. It's like, oh, with the Quest, you're untethered and you can do all kinds of new cool. Th- you know, it's super hot. It's like, wow, what's amazing on Quest. Not so with Tetris Effect, but still very, very excellent uh, VR experience. And if you've only got the Quest and haven't played this on PSVR, very much worth the 30 bucks that it costs. Uh, I also want to talk about a game called Minimoto Racing X. Uh, simply because I played this on Quest as well. Uh, I loved, Christian, I think you and I both have because we've been to sort of 80s arcades together. I think we both share a mutual affection for games like Super Sprint mm-hmm. and Off-Road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a, an old uh, NES game that I played in my youth a lot called um, RC Pro-Am. Did you ever yeah. play RC yeah, Pro-Am? Yeah, yeah. And Micro Machines oh, 2 was a great one on NES. Loved those games. Well, Mini Moto Racing X is that kind of thing. It's that sort of top-down, isometric uh rc car racing simulator 
um, game, but done in VR, which is cool because, you know, that, that feeling of looking down on a little diorama is so accentuated. You are this God person, you know, up in the sky and there's, there'll be like a blimp going over the racetrack and clouds all around you. And you can look down and you can watch it from a whole variety of perspectives. Uh, but you can control the game in a number of ways too. You can control it with just with the, you know, the sticks and the triggers to, for acceleration, just like you would in any other game. But you could also literally reach out and grab an RC car controller, a virtual, you know, those ones that almost look like a gun, but they have a, a, a wheel stuck to the side and you turn the wheel to turn the thing. You know what I'm talking about? You pull yeah, a trigger. It's a remote control car controller. Yeah. Yes. That's mm-hmm. an RC car controller. So they built a, a virtual one of those that you can use with the touch controllers and play it like that if you want. And you can also beam yourself down inside the cockpit of the little RC car and play it in cockpit mode, reaching out and holding a steering wheel in inside the cockpit. You can also use the steering wheel outside the cockpit like a like you're standing in front of a super sprint arcade cabinet. Just really clever, I thought. Uh, and I played it all those different ways. The inside the cockpit, I, I won the race when I was inside the cockpit. I did not think I would. It's wild and wacky and almost nausea inducing just because of how those tracks have tons of switchbacks and it's just craziness. You're bouncing into each other and there's different, you know, power ups. It's, it's got that level of wacky power up thing you can do as well. There's a career mode and you can unlock all kinds of tracks and cars. I found this game very charming and, uh, it's, it's super fun. Uh, mini moto racing X on quest. I, I really liked it. I really liked looking down on the little RC cars from, from high above and controlling them in the way you do in those games where, you know, you have to make those quick tight turns and leaping over people. And the physics is wild. Good stuff. Mini moto, mini moto racing X. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Jeff Anglestein, thank you so much for being here, man. It's always fun talking to you. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a delight. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, tell people where they can keep up with you and your work online. Uh, so Best Bet is on Twitter. I am at G Engelstein. That's G-E-N-G-E-L-S-T-E-I-N. And I'll post uh, you know updates about games and podcasts and all the fun things I'm doing. Very cool. Super skill pinball coming out uh, in just a few months, too. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week? It's going to be more Monster Hunter World, uh, game permitting. Uh, It's going to be Friday night, 9 p.m. Pacific time. Um, And then Saturday, I don't know a time yet, but Anthony Carboni and I are going to be streaming something all to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. You can find a link to it uh, to donate in the show notes to this show, also pinned on the top of my Twitter, which is at Spicer. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Go help help kids beat cancer and um, watch me dominate Monster Hunter World <laughs> in the process. Watch the world's greatest Monster Hunter World player. Thank you. Crash the system. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so excited for when you're going to be able to talk about your really exciting news. When is that? When are you going to be able to share that? Remember when I teased uh, secrets a long time ago, Jeff? Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, so I got some stuff back, and I've sent you some. I've sent you some pictures of uh, some of the stuff I got back, but I can't. the The world's in disarray, my friend, and I don't know when yeah. things are going to happen. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's out of my. It's out of my hands. When uh, the 
huge when E3 is canceled, board game conventions are canceled, when Diamond stops publishing printing comic books. You know what I'm like Yeah. When was the last time? Oh, this is wild too. I think in the United States, and I might be getting this stat wrong, but this came from a friend who's an attorney. And I think it's been like seven or eight weeks in the United States without a jury trial. I have jury duty next week. No, you don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm but just saying silver linings. <laughs> that, that's the world we're in. Like, you have a right to a fair and speedy trial, but you, not only are there not jury trials, there aren't grand juries. So you can't yeah. have it's anyway. So I things are out of my control, my friend. As soon as I can talk about things or I know I have a date for something, I believe yeah. me, I will scream it. <laughs> Christian will tell us about his criminal prosecution. <laughs> <laughs> when you're on the jury and you have to recuse yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, we I have lots of other shows for you to check out. If you're so inclined, uh, I talk about movies and TV shows on a show called the slash film cast. Um, we watched this week, a movie. So you don't have to, it's called Capone. And do not watch it. Uh, but I think our discussion of it is pretty interesting. So you can uh, head over to slashfilmcast.com to check that out if you like. Uh, I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, an award-winning comedy science show called We Have Concerns. Do that with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And The Dungeon Run is my long-form Dungeons & Dragons show. Um, man, I'm so proud of it. I hope you check it out. Uh, we're doing some some really exciting stuff. So many people said last week uh, is the best episode we've ever done. And the previous week to that, they said best episode we've ever done. And we're doing this really cool thing now where we've got like this virtual table because we're all remote with 3D animated bad guys and virtual minis on a virtual table. It, you have to see it to believe it. It's all custom. None of it was, was a, an off-the-shelf program. It's all custom made for our show extremely cool so check that out you can find it by uh, searching for the dungeon run on youtube or uh, as an audio show you can listen to it as well it works really well as an audio show uh at um anywhere you get podcasts by searching for the dungeon run it's also recorded live you can watch us live wednesday nights at 6 p.m pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run all right let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts Jeff Engelstein, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Sure. Um, I'm going to start by mentioning something I forgot to mention earlier, which I need to do or my publisher is going to be really mad at me, which is I had a new book that came out a couple of months ago with MIT Press called Achievement Relocked where I talk about the psychology of loss aversion and uh, the way that that can be used in video games to kind of manipulate the player's emotions and get you to do certain things. So I talk about Portal and Hearthstone and uh, all, all kinds of different Dungeons and Dragons and Wizardry and all kinds of different games in the way that they've used uh, loss aversion. So if you get a chance, I appreciate you checking that, checking out Achievement Relocked. Um, also um, on TV, have been incredibly impressed with uh, Mrs. America on Hulu, mm. which uh, has talked about is kind of going over the um, fight to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment in the 70s. Um, right. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch that, but it is I've only so seen the first well episode, done. but yeah, really cool. What a cast. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marco Muttendale is everywhere. She's everywhere now. Yeah. 
and also just, you know, just a fun activity I've been doing. So as I've mentioned, both my kids are, are out of the house and live in their own apartments. So it's been a little, you know, uh, difficult, for, um, if not impossible for us to all get together. So we've actually, uh, been doing kind of family movie night. We've been watching, um, the full MCU movies in chronological mo- order by movie world universe, not the or- release order. So we started with oh, Captain America and then we did Captain Marvel. And so we're just doing them in chronological order. Uh, That's cool. and, and, uh, we just finished uh, winter soldier and it's just been great. It's been a great way for the family to just kind of get together and, um, you know, still chat and, you know, kind of keep in touch and kind of feel like we're doing the same thing. So it's, it's been nice. So if you, that's if you awesome. have people remote, that's, that's a fun thing to do also. What, what method are you using to do that? Are you on like a FaceTime or a Zoom or something? Or does yeah, it, we've I tried think a Netflix bunch allows of different you to methods. do it, right? Yeah, no, it's on Disney yeah. plus where we're doing, but oh. we do, we actually are doing through discord. Uh, so originally we, we had one person streaming the videos through discord over Disney plus, but it, it was, wasn't great. So actually what we do now is we just count down three, two, one, and we all hit play at the same time <laughs> and cool. we just all wear headphones. And then, so we can talk without, uh, you know, getting any feedback or anything like that. And that, that has worked fine. We don't need That's to be great. precisely synced up. So it's fine. What a clever thing. That's great. Very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? You got a parting gift? Yeah. One will be, uh, if you haven't check out the DLC discord, um, not set up by us cause we're not smart enough to do something like that, but it's great. Been hanging out in there, uh, a good bit and it's, it's good folks talking and chatting, um, there is a link for that pinned at the top of our subreddit. So if you want to hop into that, you can. That's an easy way to find it. And then my parting gift is uh, say, Christian. How dare you say that we are not smart enough? It is not that. It is my laziness. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with my smarts. Yeah. I apologize. How dare you? Uh, You're I feel to the yeah. character flaw. i was too lazy to learn how to do it (laughs) um and the second one is there's there's an app it's called pokemon tv a lot of people probably already know about it we've had it for a while uh probably a year or so but i keep forgetting to mention it and it's great apple tv app i mentioned a bunch of other things too and it's just like not literally but you know figuratively literally all of the pokemon episodes all it's just free no commercials. I don't understand it. It's like a real thing made by the Pokemon company or whatever, whatever. Um, some movies on there. My kids absolutely love it. They're blasting through the original season still. Um, and it kind of blows my mind that it's a thing that exists that isn't like, you know, $10 a week or whatever it would be in today's day and age. Uh, Pokemon TV. Download the app. Watch all the old Pokemon cartoons for free. All right. Very cool. I got a listener suggested parting gift sent in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes all the way from Berlin, Germany. Uh, comes from Matthias. Matthias. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sure it's different than I would pronounce it uh, being uh, German. But um, nevertheless, I appreciate the sentiment. Matthias writes, hey, Jeff and Christian. I hope you and your families are doing well during this challenging time. As we are all in dire need of great content to consume while stuck at home, I thought I'd share a podcast with the biggest divide between quality and audience I know of. The Disney Story Origins podcast by Paul J. Hale. It's exquisitely researched and produced and just a joy to listen to. 
He regularly compares Disney films with the properties they are based on, which is fascinating and interesting. But most importantly, it's darn entertaining as Hale essentially produces, narrates himself, uh, produces and narrates himself using different voices and sound effects. You can find the podcast on iTunes or Patreon. Start with whichever movie you're most interested in. I promise you will learn a lot and be entertained for a long time. Unfortunately and inexplicably, the podcast struggles to find an audience, not to mention Patreon supporters, so it would be great to widen its reach so that we get more episodes in the future. Keep what you're doing so well and stay healthy. Uh, Thank you very much. He says, uh, all the best and... Does anybody know how to pronounce that? Jeff, do you know how to pronounce that? Cheese? Cheese? I'm not getting trapped into trying to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe somebody that's been to Essen a few times would know. Um, All right. Uh, as I appreciate that. If you want to have your, uh, if you want to have your parting gift on the show, feel free to send it to us. DLC feedback at gmail.com. I'm going to switch mine up at the last minute here because, uh, I realized I, I tweeted something today that kind of got people all excited it, and it should, it got me excited. We, my wife and I have discovered the air fryer. Holy moly. Where's this thing been all my life? Uh, my wife made donuts homemade donuts in the air fryer this morning and i'm not exaggerating when i say i think it was the best donut i've ever had in my life and i am someone that loves donuts i love donuts i'm a connoisseur of a good donut uh and these were insanely good and also insanely simple to make in the uh, air fryer uh we just got this air fryer recently and it it's it we had two dinners now all air fried and now we're uh, experimenting in donuts so I think all she did, well, I posted the um, recipe uh, on Twitter, but I think all she did was she took like ready-made like Pillsbury crescent roll type stuff, made them, formed them into a donut shape, put them in there with some uh, coconut oil in the air fryer and, uh, and then put cinnamon and sugar on them. <sighs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I highly suggest people experiment with the air fryer. I could not believe it. Could not believe it. Air fryer. All right. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jeff Engelstein and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our folks in the chat room, hanging out with all of us in real time, making the show better. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Zero Star, and especially Sean Madigan, who came through with that huge new bumper that we're going to be using all through the summer. Uh, thank you, Sean. You're awesome as always. You make the show better. We appreciate you. I'll be honest. Uh, that and- bumper did not live up to my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> on brand, on brand. Uh, and thank you to each and every one of you who download the show. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.